0: BLOB TALK RADIO Seventeen edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and if you're like me, you woke up this morning to some very disturbing news. I actually don't have a link about this news in my program notes, but you can find it everywhere. It's the shooting That happened in, I believe, Alexandria, Virginia, where some congressmen, Republican congressmen, were practicing for a congressional baseball game. And a scumbag by the name of James Hodgkinson, I think that's the, the name, he came and shot a bunch of them. As far as I understand, no fatalities. I think the person who was uh, the congressman who was worst hurt was Steve Scalise, who I think was shot in the hip. Uh, Luckily some people were thinking quickly and used a belt as a tourniquet and stopped the bleeding. And uh, we also had the Capitol police come and shoot this guy. And I I understand he succumbed to his wounds that he's dead and that's good. Um, In any event, if you go on Facebook, maybe you can still find his profile. I haven't looked for a while. Earlier, a friend of mine was uh, giving me the profile link on Facebook, so I went ahead and did a whole bunch of screen grabs. So if you are on Facebook, you can go to my profile, and I've got as a public post the Steve Scalise shot in Virginia, the Fox News item, and in the comments below that, I've collected a number of screen grabs from This James Hodgkinson, I'll just call him scumbag, um, from the scumbag's profile. And you can see totally avid Bernie supporter. He actually once used a picture of FDR as his profile picture. You can see it in some of the photos there. I don't know if his profile is still available. I guess I might as well go ahead and go search for it. Kudos to... um, yeah, okay, he's there. I will actually, no, I don't know if he's there. Let's see. I do not see a profile. I don't see a profile. Yeah, I think now they've taken it down. Um, it it was up for quite a while, so kudos to Facebook for not immediately pulling it down. I've got a number of screen grabs, like I said, for you. If you aren't on Facebook and you can't easily access my Facebook profile and see what I've got collated there, you can go to Daily Wire where Ben Shapiro, as I understand, collated a number of things. But what can I tell you about this guy? Um, Let me, yeah, some other people also did some grabs as well. Um, Let me get to where my screen grabs are. These threads sometimes get a little bit unwieldy. So on one of the posts on March 22nd, it was a change.org petition, U.S. Senate. We want to have the legal removal of Trump. You know, they want to remove him from office. And Hodgkinson, the scumbag, I'm not supposed to keep saying his name, the scumbag, writes, Trump is a traitor. Trump has destroyed our democracy. It's time to destroy Trump and company. And one of my friends commenting on that particular one, Mark Monroe, he says, I guess he wasn't being metaphorical here. And you know, I guess that's the idea. He shows up and decides he's just going to shoot up a bunch of Republican congressmen because he disagrees with them and he thinks that, as he calls it, democratic socialism is the way. His current profile picture had been a, you know image of part of the American flag with the words over it, democratic socialism um, explained in three words, quote unquote, we the people and that was his profile picture and then his header photo you know was uh, bernie sanders so this guy avid bernie sanders supporter had a lot of followers very enthusiastic people he shared this change.org petition and apparently there were 431 reactions on his facebook page so i guess he had somewhat of a following there on facebook although not a whole pile of friends um Real not uh, not attractive person. He had just a huge fire as one of his featured photos, right next to a picture of Bernie Sanders. If you dig, if you you know if you were if you were in his profile and you were digging into last year, in December of last year, he posted another Change.org petition, and there was some HR 6340 Presidential Accountability Act. I, you know, some sort of leftist thing. Who knows? And the scumbag writes in his own intro to this Change.org petition that he shared. He says, "We don't need or deserve a billionaire for president. There will always be a conflict of interest. Millionaires are bad enough. So millionaires are bad. I mean, what as president only? Is that it?" He doesn't want anybody who has money to be president. If you think about it, somebody who actually has money has the potential to be disinterested in participating in the cronyism. Not that they're going to be, but if someone is independently wealthy, maybe they don't care to start getting in on you know, Washington business as usual, where they use the knowledge that they have about the laws that they're going to pass, i.e. the guns they're going to point at various sectors of the economy. Uh, they use that knowledge to trade on it and become wealthy. So you think you could welcome someone who is wealthier, but I think that this guy had a contempt for people who were wealthy as as such. It probably just wasn't billionaires who become presidents, probably billionaires as a class, unless, of course, they go around abjectly apologizing for their wealth and pledging to give it all away, and then I'm sure that this scumbag would think that that's okay Uh, you know obviously when people have been voicing all kinds of ideas like this forever and yes I criticize them I'm not going to start calling them scumbag until they actually decide that violence is the way that they want to deal with their political adversaries which is what this guy obviously decided was appropriate to do one more screen grab that I got was something that he shared in May 2015. I was just scrolling back here, whatever was publicly available. And he shared some comic, a comic from some place called Go Comics. And I didn't even bother to go read the comic. I just, I grabbed it for the intro written by the scumbag. Uh, The intro to this comic, Mike Lukovich, I guess a Republican, uh, he says, worthless piece of S.H., you know, in the Republican Party, just that, that's how he's referring to people. Real hostile scumbag, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of people who use this sort of language out there. There's a whole bunch of commentary out on Twitter about, you know, wouldn't you expect that somebody like this scumbag would be encouraged by the recent acceptance in some leftist circles of portrayals of violence against our president, for example. You know, Kathy Griffin thought, oh, ho, ha, ha, let's just hold up a head. And then there was recently a dramatic depiction of an assassination of Trump. Everybody thought, oh, it's so brave. What does it do? It encourages people like this. There's another shooting that happened recently, and I haven't gotten any real details on it. I, I was going to the website. Rob Abiera shared a link over on the Don't Let It Go on her page. There's been a shooting at a UPS facility in San Francisco, and I don't know what's behind that. But that was not my planned topic for today. It's just what I woke up to this shooting against our congressman uh when you know we've got we've already had violence in the context of people expressing ideas, you know just regular citizens expressing ideas in the context of protests, maybe a pro trump supporters you know, meet, rally or whatever. They have a bunch of Trump supporters gathering together and then you have the Antifa coming to answer them. Uh, we've got the leftists on campus trying to shut down conservative speech on campus. And we've talked a lot about that. We've talked about, uh, you know, the the danger when the leftists believe that the answer now is violence, that they're not going to try to answer these ideas that they disagree with, with arguments of any kind. Instead, they're going to use whatever they've got there, you know, their bodies. I guess some guy was calling recently for, you know, people who oppose Trump to pick up bricks or something. There's a lot of reference to using violence and acceptance of the idea of using violence against those who don't want to give the leftists their way. The leftists have been told for, you know, I mean, you could say centuries, but certainly since the progressives have, have taken over in education, they've been told that they are entitled to demand the sort of things that they are demanding. And all of us evil non-leftists are denying them their due. And, you know, it's like, who, who are we to deny it? They're going to go out and go ahead and use violence if necessary. Hell, I was threatened this week, not with violence to my person, but I was threatened this week with someone was going to steal my luggage. Because I had said that if I was on there was this one flight where Jimmy Carter went around shaking everyone's hand on the flight now, I mean, first of all, he's causing travel- you know travel delays for everybody. traveling is stressful enough. it's all you want is Jimmy Carter running around glad handing everybody and delaying your flight, but supposedly, on this one flight out of l a to Atlanta, he walks around and shakes hands with everyone on the entire flight. This is a news story that local Fox News was reporting. And the thought occurred to me, and apparently it occurred to a number of other people too, although they didn't go out and tweet it like I did. Um, I said, hey, you know, did everybody do this, right? Um, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have shaken his hand. I wonder if there's anybody who decided not to. And I got the most vicious, vicious reactions for not wanting to shake Jimmy Carter's hand. And as I said, you know, they used horrible foul language. They called me... Every name, including vulgar names. Uh, but one guy actually said, "You would do it, otherwise I would steal your luggage bitch, which is what he said. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can be threatened simply for not shaking Jimmy Carter's hand in America today. So I guess it's not surprising, you know, here here are these congressmen, these Republican congressmen denying these social Democrats, these socialist Democrats there. They're due. they think they should be able to vote all of us into slavery. And if they're not able to vote all of us into slavery, get their president, Bernie Sanders, who's going to make all of us a ward of the state, I guess they feel entitled to use violence, or at least some of them feel entitled to use violence. And it, it's scary to me that this guy had a number of followers. And I'm wondering if there's going to be some investigation to see if any of those people are of a like mind if he had any potential collaborators and and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of thing we're going to have to look at over in the chat room. Jay points out that Bernie's a millionaire. Yeah. Okay. So what Bernie shouldn't be able to, because he's a millionaire, he's a better kind of millionaire, of course, because he's a leftist. He's got the, the right kind of ideas. Apparently you might be willing to forgive that. Isn't leftism itself The idea that violence is the solution to all problems, asks Craig in the chat room. Yeah, in a way it is, right? Um, Basically, people need to be doing their moral duty of sacrificing themselves for their fellow man, and if they're not, then the government gun needs to come in and make sure that it happens. (laughs) Jay points out about Bernie's millions. He didn't earn it, so maybe that's all that they really care about. Yeah, if you actually earned your money, then you must be a horribly evil person. Rob Abiera in the chat room points out that, uh, unfortunately, these progressives who are now turning to violence—so-called progressives—I'm not sure I'm willing to cede that word to them. He says, unfortunately, they have the example of the '60s to follow. The the, the idea of using violence—it's it's getting quite scary out there. Is you know, kind of what I woke up to this morning. Thankfully, I don't think it hit me too hard. I was able to go out and do my walk and still observe some of the beautiful things that I do. And I'm still, uh, I'm going to turn from that now, actually, if if that's okay with you guys, and turn to the show that I had planned for today, which was a theme show around this idea of witness. If you go to DontLetItGo.com, you can check out my program notes, such as they are. I assembled just a few things there, and there's going to be some other stuff that I'm going to refer to. And, you know, Katy Perry She released this album called Witness, and between all a bunch of different things that were happening over the week, including my little foray on Twitter, where I got all that negative attention and stuff, the idea of Witness was just rattling around, so I want to talk about that. And you can connect it, of course, to the testimony of James Comey as Witness potentially against Donald Trump although I don't know if it's going to turn out that way it's going to be interesting to see what happens and we've seen Jeff Sessions also testify in Congress yesterday or I guess at the Senate right yesterday and so we'll talk some about that as well as I said go to don'tletitgo.com if you want to talk with me about any of the program notes I know that I'm going to speak with James Valiant who told me he's going to call in and uh, I always love speaking with James and uh we're going to talk about Comey, the testimony of Comey. Apparently, James disagrees with a perspective offered by Alan Dershowitz in the video that I shared with you over in the program notes. I shared with you a video that's a little bit off the beaten path. It's not one of the mainstream media interviews. It's it's one where they've given they gave him a little bit more time to speak so he could express you know fully what he thought about Comey's testimony and whether the president should be investigated in any way, shape, or form for obstruction of justice. If you watch that video, it's actually not the whole 22 minutes. I think it's eight minutes or something like that, but it's still better than the four than some of the news media gave him. Um, You know, Dershowitz's view was that Trump, anything that Trump had done per Comey's testimony were, were things that he was constitutionally authorized to do. And so how in the world could you be brought up on charges of obstruction of justice if you were doing things that you were entitled per the Constitution to do? Now, Dershowitz bracketed off the idea of whether it was a politically good thing to do. But things we could talk about with Comey uh, have to do with his credibility as a witness. What do you think of him? Uh, You know, he leaked things to the press. He apparently failed to stand up to Trump in various ways. He was arguably quite weak in in some contexts that he related to us. And, you know, was he credible? Um, Did he have a double standard in the way that he dealt with Trump versus the way that he dealt with Obama, who originally appointed him? Was he a biased witness inherently because he was fired? There's a number of questions, and I look forward to talking about them with James. I think it's James that I've got here on the line you want to verify that here in the chat room for me? Is that you? Who's on hold? Here he says. Yes, he is there. Okay, so let me go ahead and grab him. Oh, my Windows just did all those the funny things that they do. There's certain gestures you do on a Mac, and suddenly everything changes. Okay, I think I'm picking you up here. James, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Welcome. So, James, for those of you who haven't heard James on my show before, he is a former deputy district attorney from San Diego. And He's also the author of Passion of Ayn Ayn Rand's Critics, great book, and then also Creating Christ. And I owe James an interview to talk about Creating Christ with him, and I keep remaining buried in, as I call it, the project, this uh, graphic novel script for Atlas Shrugged, which I'm almost done with the initial chunk of work on. So I will get to your book, James. I I promise. I promise. But I thank you for calling in and being generous with your time again with me today. Um, So, so tell me, did you, you watched Dershowitz either in that video or maybe you've seen him already talk about it on all the different mainstream media outlets millions of times. Uh, You said that you think that Trump actually should be Investigated for potential obstruction of justice, despite the argument that Dershowitz made about, you know, we have a unified executive. We may not like it, but all these other presidents have done the same sort of thing. That the president is entitled to tell them who should or shouldn't be investigated, as and is entitled to fire the director of the FBI. I think you said you had a different view. Is that right?
1: I, well, I agree with <clears throat> all the factual premises there. I don't agree with the conclusion that Professor Dershowitz uh, reaches. Uh, I read his initial editorial where he was not very clear about the matter, and then I've seen subsequent television appearances. But you're right, the one you link to is actually the longest and best of uh, and where he actually makes his position known and where there is such a thing as obstruction <laughs> of justice, uh, in his mind at least. There's no question that the president has the power to uh, direct uh, any part of the uh, criminal prosecution to stop. He has the power to pardon the person beforehand. In other words, he, he doesn't even need to wait for Comey. He doesn't need to wait for a U.S. attorney. He could simply pardon Flynn for whatever crime he committed in this matter and be done with it. Or, right. uh, as Dershowitz uh, points out, the president could, point, uh, could uh, direct the U.S. attorneys not to prosecute Flynn or the FBI director not to investigate Flynn, but that is not what happened here. Uh, Mm. The FBI director Comey, if what he's saying is true, and of course we have huge credibility issues with Comey, but Mm. for the moment, let's assume that Comey was telling the truth, assuming that Comey was telling the truth, uh, Comey says that he did not walk away with the idea that he had been ordered by the president to do anything, indeed he did not do anything, and uh, according to what the administration is telling us, Trump did not fire him for not, for uh, failing to uh, squelch the uh, investigation on Flynn. So, therefore, um, there was no such directive by the president. Had there been such a directive, uh, the FBI director would have failed to have uh, complied with it, and that would have provided a basis to have uh, terminated him. It was not according to the, the, the Trump administration. Dershowitz says it does not matter how the president does it. I... I respectfully disagree. What the president wanted to do is avoid political uh, problems that would be associated with exercising his proper constitutional role. Had the president ordered the FBI director outright to stop investigating Flynn, the the FBI director would have said, okay, today we've stopped investigating Flynn on the order of the president of the United States. It would have created a public record, and Trump would have had to face the political downside of exercising his constitutional ability. Instead, Trump wanted his cake and to eat it, too. He wanted the day to happen in a couple of weeks where uh, Comey comes out and says, well, after a long investigation, in our professional (laughs) judgment, there is nothing to do here and Flynn is is cleared. He wanted a phony, fraudulent FBI clearance. There's no two other you know, way of looking at it. Had it actually been in order, uh, there would have been an order. Uh, Comey says so, it was not. So basically,
0: not this is this is another situation in which life is imitating Atlas Shrugged because one of the actually it's interesting because you know I've I've been just working on the last few chapters, uh, you know, kind of condensing, and one of the lines that you know from the looters that I made sure to keep in is where one of them is giving an order, where they're ordering both A and non-A. And, you know, direct contradictions. So you're basically saying this is what Trump was doing with him. It's like, don't discontinue it, but in effect discontinue it. Pretend that you've done it, but don't do it.
1: Right. In order to distinguish this from, I mean, why have obstruction of justice laws at all apply to presidential associates or presidential aides or, or so forth? If the president can simply order them to be—they're, in effect, immune, from what Dershowitz says, uh, from his initial uh, statements. Uh, uh, based on the clip you gave, though, uh, Dershowitz does say, no, if, they, if like Nixon, Nixon had ordered them to burn documents or something or to burn, mm-hmm. destroy tapes, that would be obstruction of justice. I don't get the distinction that he's making at all. Why would it have been wrong for Nixon simply to have ordered them to do that, wait for them to do it, and then pardon them? Under Dershowitz's uh, uh, you know, analysis, there'd be simply nothing wrong with Nixon doing it that way.
0: Okay, that, that's a really, really good argument. That's a, that's a really good argument, because you're right. You know, he's, he's saying there's such a big difference between ordering somebody to do something illegal versus ordering something that's within your constitutional purview. But you're saying, well, since it's within a constitutional purview to pardon the people, then you can order something criminal and then pardon them, right?
1: right. Uh, why not? Why not? No, the, if the obstruction of justice uh, laws apply to the president's aides, you know, the president himself, then the president has to go by the correct procedure. The const- he has to exercise his constitutional authority in an overt way. I am directing mm-hmm. you, director of the F- Federal Bureau of Investigation, to stop investigating my associate Flynn. Uh, what I found really disappointing about Professor Dershowitz's analysis is his analysis of corrupt motives. In the clip you gave, he basically ignores that. But in his uh, mm-hmm. article, he does concede that if there were was corrupt motives on the president's part, then the president himself might be guilty of obstruction of justice, theoretically speaking. Well, wait, what, hold on. The fact that this is a pre- close associate of Trump's, Mr. Flynn, the mm-hmm. fact that Trump closes the door... The fact that Trump doesn't make an order, which would create a public record, but then starts pleading the guy uh, as like a character witness, you know, he's a pretty good guy. He does not analyze it like a cop or a prosecutor would. He just says, I hope you can see your way to clearing, to letting go. Flynn, wait, wait a minute. What he obviously wants, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, is an official FBI clearance of his buddy Flynn without his fingerprints on it at all.
0: Well, that's and, not exercising basically, his but executive basically, discretion Comey, or his
1: constitutional power at all.
0: Right, right. But basically, Comey did the same thing with Hillary Clinton, right? Well,
1: Trump was asking, if Comey's telling the truth, then all mm-hmm. Trump was asking Comey to do is for Comey to do exactly what Comey did for Hillary Clinton last right. year. Right,
0: right. Yes. That's all he was asking. Now,
1: I agree with Dershowitz. I don't think this is going anywhere. Not only do we have a Republican Congress, but this Republican Congress uh, has just gone through – the whitewashing of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> they have no motive to move one pinky on this, and I don't expect anything to happen. Uh, also, Comey has huge credibility issues, as you pointed out. Well, so- and
0: that and that was the thing I was going to ask you. So, so you're saying that probably nothing is going to go forward on the basis of any of that testimony because of Comey's credibility issues, and because we have a Congress that you know Republican-led that isn't going to do anything about this. So, so you think it, it's going to go nowhere. Of course, Dershowitz predicted it was going to go nowhere. So what about the Sessions testimony? Does that add anything into the mix from your perspective or not?
1: Well, I think the underlying reason for the whole investigation has just totally fizzled. I don't right. think they've shown any collusion between Trump or any of his top aides, at least, and Russia on um, the, you know, uh, plot by Russia to affect our election. And until and unless they have some actual evidence of collusion on the part of Trump or his people uh, with Russia on that matter, uh, the whole investigation, I think you'll hear more and more, it started already, more and more uh, clamor to shut down the entire investigation.
0: Right. And but Flynn, I mean, what do you think that there's something there that Trump was scared that they would discover?
1: Well, let me put it this way: even if there's no underlying crime, if someone is committing obstruction in the process of squelching an investigation that doesn't look good, it's still obstruction of justice. It's still, you know, getting in the way of an investigation uh, for corrupt uh, reasons. And if if this case, by what Comey says, didn't make it out, uh, uh, then I'm not sure what could on the part of the president, honestly. Now. you know, Comey did treat, like I, like we've been saying, uh, Comey treated Trump very differently than he treated the Democrats last year. Um, and uh, <laughs> Comey is trying very hard to recover his own credibility. And he was very cagey. He released uh, I- information that was very embarrassing to Lynch and the Democrats in the very process. I think he very much resented having to deep-six the investigation of Hillary last year, uh, but he wanted to keep his job. Similarly, right. he wanted to keep his job with Trump, and he very much resented uh, having been fired, or at least that case could be made, and that just devastates his credibility. But,
0: yeah, that would that would really show him to be a biased witness. And then what about the propriety of him leaking what he leaked this well, information exactly. to a professor, not directly to the press, but to some professor? The right. Congress Columbia
1: still has demos, I guess. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, he, he, he leaked it in order so that a special prosecutor should be appointed. <laughs> um, hmm, I, I'm not sure, again, uh, what would destroy someone's credibility more. He was out so for Trump's blood, in if, effect. If
0: you were him, if you were Comey, and undergoing all of this pressure from Trump and everything else, let's forget Comey's past You know, for the moment, what would you have recommended that he do in that situation?
1: Comey? If Comey had done – Comey should have immediately – said to the press ask the president are you sir asking me to are you directing me sir to uh, stop the investigation of mr flynn make it real clear right. he failed to do so if what he said was transpiring which exactly. you don't do and if he, he, you don't leak it to the press you why not just tell the press what's going on you say mr president is there any executive privilege with regard to this conversation obviously i want to tell the, the the media why i'm no longer investigating Mr. Flynn it has nothing to do with my professional judgment or the evidence. It's because you, the chief executive, uh, has direct uh, are directing me to to do it, and right. that is uh, what he should have done as FBI director with, as an FBI director with integrity. But I'm afraid he doesn't have much integrity in my view. He says he was asked, "Do you think that what Trump did was obstruction of justice?" It's not for me to say. Well, it was for him to say that what Hillary did was not a crime uh, and uh, before the U.S. attorney had spoken, and that mm-hmm. would have dramatically prejudiced any case against Hillary had the U.S. attorney disagreed with him. So he's willing to insert his professional opinion as to uh, whether it is or is not a crime when it comes to Hillary to get her off the hook, but then sure. having laid out basically a case that he knows that every Democratic legal pundit out there is going to cry obstruction of justice... About, oh, it's not for me to say. Oh, come, come. <laughs> right. he, he lacks any credibility in my mind, and that's the problem. The entire case of, uh, against Trump here hinges on his credibility since it's about private meetings with Trump.
0: And in terms of the Sessions testimony, a lot of whether you think that the investigation should go forward, you know, about Russia trying to influence our election, it depends on what you think of his credibility as well. What do you think of Sessions' credibility?
1: I think Sessions actually had – I'm not a huge Sessions fan for a number of reasons. But on the other hand, when it came to this, he struck me as being credible. Um, (laughs) He he did appoint a special counsel (laughs) at the appropriate time, right? And uh, it seems to me that he's trying to be careful. There was a moment where, I mean, he sort of asserted executive privilege without the president asserting executive privilege. I think that was a little funky. Uh,
0: Yeah, but you know, I was was reading reading in New York Times about that. I was, I was reading in the New York Times because I've, I've got a link to the New York Times article, you know, and I'd, I was looking, I was looking to see if uh, Shapiro, Ben Shapiro did some nice summary work on the Comey stuff. But uh-huh. then um, I was looking for a similar summary of the sessions and he may have just gotten caught up in the whole shooting and everything and not being able to, to do that. But, um, you know, what he was saying, basically, oh, God, I'm, I've, I've lost my thought here about where were we? I lost my thought. I'm, I'm on like sessions. five different stories now. I'm, I'm totally lost. What what, what were you sessions just credibility.
1: saying?
0: A sessions credibility. Yeah, he, he thinks that there's basically no way. He actually posted one link where he says, you know, this basically wipes the whole story with Sessions. Um, oh, yeah. No, I was saying why I went to New York Times. Okay, so I went to New York Times because uh, Shapiro didn't have a story. Sorry, I had to recreate my train of thought. So in the New York Times story, I was reading about that use of, you know, kind of invoking executive privilege without, right? right? And apparently this is a longstanding tradition. To right. go ahead and protect the confidentiality of those conversations with the president without an actual invocation of executive it seems privilege. To me if,
1: if you haven't cleared it with the president or at least one of his top aides, you should uh, be free to say, hey, I don't want to answer this until I know, clear
0: it, <laughs> it, right? Yeah. Right.
1: Without asking whether they would assert executive privilege. It makes sense. I wouldn't yes. hold that in Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: what you could do if you were really a proponent of transparency is before you show up to that Senate hearing, you could say, oh, I'll anticipate that they're going to ask me about so-and-so. What do you give me permission to say versus not, right? Right. Um, But isn't it convenient to walk into the hearing not having done that legwork? Oh, darn, I haven't asked him, so therefore I've got this plausible deniability. I can just go ahead and invoke this like everybody else does.
1: Right, right. You know, the Democrats got a little spoiled because Trump did not invoke executive privilege with regard to Comey's testimony.
0: Mm -hmm. He said,
1: in fact, Comey can testify about anything, even about our private conversations, the very sort of thing that the president can assert executive privilege about. Um, And it's funny, instead of saying, hmm, that may add to Trump's credibility against Comey's, because Trump is willing, for Comey, to say whatever he wants to say, um, um... uh, but it, 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 then they demand that Sessions uh, 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 speak about everything. No, that makes sense. I, I wouldn't hold it against uh, Sessions.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So Sessions, good credibility. Apparently, he just completely mixed ideas of collusion with Russia within that testimony. But you know, obviously, we have to be open to see if there's going to be some some uh, evidence forthcoming. I was going to ask you, James, are you willing to to stay on and discuss another topic or two, or do you have to go?
1: Um, Sure, sure. I just hope I have something I can can add on those topics. Well,
0: no, so so one, of course, is this issue of the leftists, or at least this particular scumbag leftist, deciding that he would actually use violence to go after Republican congressmen. You know, as I'm putting it, they believe that they're entitled to – their demands, which is they want their socialist utopia, and here these evil Republicans are standing in the way, and I guess he was going to go ahead and use a gun to...
1: It's so funny, you know, I remember the day back with the horrible Columbine um, Colorado high school bombing back in the Clinton Mm -hmm. administration, and when Clinton responded to that, he practically blamed conservative talk radio um, for having, uh, you know, made... This, these teenagers, uh, you know, become violent and shoot up the, the school. Um, mm-hmm. And today, it's crazy. We actually are in a situation where there are major voices on the left which are calling for violence. I mean, right, just a, just a couple months ago, we, I was reading all those editorials about, hey, it's okay to punch a Nazi, meaning mm-hmm. anyone who's a Republican or a Libertarian. okay. If, if we get to the point where it's okay to punch a Nazi, meaning anyone who's a Republican or a Libertarian, you know, what's the difference between punching and shooting, right? Um,
0: well, and of course, you know, these are the congressmen, so they are the most evil. Right, of that's why I guess we could pull out the gun. Horrible so called fascists, which all of us apparently are because we are not disgusting leftists. Right.
1: right, right And you've got the, the, the comedian uh, uh, Kathy Griffin with the, with the bloody head of Trump, right? Okay, a, taste, mm-hmm. a tasteless joke But, you know <laughs> Had this been any kind of conservative humorists Or pundits or media people Talking about Obama Can you imagine the hue and cry from the media? Why, mm-hmm. you're causing the violence Next thing you know, they're going to take a shot at Obama um, right um, yeah, it's it's frightening to see, actually.
0: Well, and and to me, it's the next escalation, right? You know, we've got these progressives, leftists on the streets, out there using violence against more conservative, libertarian, right wing demonstrators. So you know, it could be a pro-Trump demonstration. It could be an anti-Sharia demonstration. These Milo Antifa at- people are going to go out there, and they are using violence. And apparently our police force, or the police forces around the country, are often under the sway of liberal politicians or maybe even conservative politicians who don't want to stick their neck out, right? And- I know
1: Milo at Berkeley is a classic example. Milo uh, is invited properly by Berkeley, the speech is approved, he, he, but instead of being allowed to speak, uh, there's violence, there's windows broken, there's innocent people standing in line who are attacked, punched, maced, literally, I mean, I saw the video, there's one woman just standing in line to see Milo at Berkeley, and she's maced, just some, some thug walks up and maces her in the wow. face, an unarmed woman just because she's standing in line to hear a speech, you don't even know what her opinion uh. is so and they were breaking windows and setting fires and jumping on cars and punching people and uh just so that milo couldn't speak and they succeeded milo couldn't speak well how many people get arrested and prosecuted hmm. crickets right crickets right because we all and know that the campus police won't do a thing about that kind of thing
0: right and and so now with the police not doing their job there was a story in new york times i shared a couple of weeks ago about some right wing groups are getting together and they use as, you know, sort of their rallying cry that if the police are not doing their job in defending them, they are gonna to have to defend themselves. And it you have also said
1: right wing hate groups, neo Nazi, white power supremacist, horrible hate vi- groups that advocate violence. What the left violence does is it gives them kind of, some kind of moral justification. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I don't. I don't, think, I don't think that
0: all of these um, oh. these people who are, you know, these these some of the right wing groups that are coming up in in reaction, as far as I know, they are articulating a goal of only responding to the initiation of force, and and they're saying we're doing this only because the police are not protecting us. The police are defaulting on their job. Well,
1: that's
0: um, inevitable. Um, yeah. Now, you know, I'm um, surely surely not all of them are good, and that you know that's the thing we're going to have. All but types of, of violence war? on the street. But here, here we have an escalation, right? We have the next step, which is here are these congressmen just out there practicing baseball. And this guy thinks he's entitled to just go up there and shoot them up for political reasons because they are, you know, in government, in positions of power, and they're denying him and all of his cohorts what they think is their due.
1: Right. Right, well, they're not taxing the rich, I guess, is what this right. guy wanted to do. Okay. So Let's I mean, tax- does it
0: does it did it did it add, you know, in any significant way to pessimism in your mind when you saw that news this morning? That that was really kind of my question. To me, it's an escalation. It is a big step.
1: Yeah, uh, it is an escalation. They're taking shots at Congressmen now, at least some activists. I still think, you know, there there have been. Shots taken at Democratic Congress uh, people in the past, and okay, um, that's a nut I said, and I'm willing to say that this is uh, until we see a pattern. I'm willing to say that this is still a relatively isolated case, but it's sure um, it's sure tempting given the amount of violence that the left is advocating, and turning a blind eye to, and um, celebrating in their way. Um, mm-hmm. It's very disturbing to see this happening now. I don't think it's unrelated. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean so so in in effect, keep our eyes open. I mean to me obviously it it's it, it's very, very disturbing but I'm not you know, giving up hope for for example. Oh. Um but it's 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 definitely a keep your eyes open and, and watch this trend and, and see what happens. And we are gonna need people to get a handle on the idea that we need to have freedom of expression, that we need to insist on dealing with each other by means of persuasion and not by force. And this needs to be a consistently brought out message in in the culture. If we don't see it in the culture, I mean, we should see, and this is the thing, that you know, I need to go check the pulse on Twitter a little. I've, I've looked at people who have, you know, post some summaries of it and they're saying it's, it's pretty bad. Some of the leftists are out there cheering on Twitter and uh, you know, maybe that's just a few, a, a small minority. Of course, any of those people should be researched by FBI, right? This is publicly available information. They should be looking at anybody who's cheering this type of violence and maybe see what other sorts of things they're posting and if they're posting incitements and all that kind of stuff that these people should be investigated. Um, maybe, you know, we can hope, like, you know, you were saying, that it's isolated, that it's a very small minority. And maybe they're a very vocal minority that happen to be having an impact out there on what we see on the on the internet. I, I just I just hope what we've seen out there in the culture and on the internet is disproportionate, vastly disproportionate to the number of people actually willing to pick up arms and and use violence. Uh, but right. we've seen you know we've seen on college campuses more and more willing to use violence, and I guess you could expect that to happen you know, out out there in the, quote, real world off campus as well. Um, anyway, so sa- save, save this space, so to speak. Um, there's that. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you about is, would you think it that controversial to state an opinion that you don't want to shake hands with Jimmy Carter? Would you think that that is such an inflammatory statement is to actually put out there in the world – that you would refuse to shake hands with Jimmy Carter?
1: Why should it be? Why I aren't know. you to a strong opinion of your own? I mean, that seems it seems it seems utterly bizarre to me. Even it's sort of a my country, do or die, uh, 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 thoughtless jingoistic nationalism. It's not a rational patriotism at all. Uh, the very fact that we're Americans means that we are we, we're the bosses. We can have opinions. Hey, he's the employee. I don't have to shake his hand. He was unceremoniously removed from office by the voters, by the way. Um, yikes! Because you don't want to shake someone's hand, uh, you have a freedom of association, and that means the freedom not to associate too. Uh, my God.
0: Speaking of to Carter, speaking of Carter, and this is this is a tangent, and we're going to come back because I, w- I want to talk more about. Because I, I was truly surprised at the type of reaction that I got that out there on Twitter. There are some real, real nasty, nasty people out there who basically say it's my duty to shake the hand of Jimmy Carter, this horrible, yucky person. So, uh, you know, but he's altruistic, so therefore he's good, right?
1: I wouldn't want to shake George W. Bush's. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I wouldn't, I, mean, I, I wouldn't shake Jimmy Carter's. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't shake Obama's. I wouldn't shake Mr. or Mrs. Clinton's.
0: <laughs> right, right. No, there's there's a whole bunch of them that I probably wouldn't. Is it
1: like like know, the, the television detective Adrian Monk, who's uh, you know a hypochondriac and paranoid of germs, <laughs> uh, always asking for one of those uh, uh, sanitary wipes after he touches someone? <laughs> I would be demanding have, a sanitary um, wipe if I was forced to shake anyone those
0: people's hands. I have uh, I have one doctor who I go to, and he won't shake your hand. Instead, he bumps elbows with you. It's the most thing. <laughs> elbow bump. So, here, I'll give you an elbow bump. Well, he's in the medical um,
1: profession. Okay, you can, I in fact, I kind of appreciate his paranoia about germs. <laughs> no,
0: and you know, I think the I'm not I'm not going to go about that anyway. Um, <laughs> The, the, thing, the tangent about Carter was something that was brought up in that Dershowitz interview, something that I hadn't heard before. But then again, my knowledge of history, I always talk about it, that it's quite deficient. What Dershowitz said in there, and I had not heard this before. You tell me if you have. He said that Reagan colluded with the Iranians to have them hold the hostages for one month longer so that he could get the credit for their release.
1: I giggled when I when I when I heard him say that because he's he's so non-judgmental he says Hillary didn't I guess commit a crime and Trump here I guess didn't commit a crime and bad politics for both of them but I'll tell you one thing Reagan committed a crime Reagan. or Reagan did this thing and it's I'm not sure that history has uh closed the book on that in quite so conclusive a way the last I checked there is evidence to that effect but I'm not sure that historians uh, have come to the agreement that that is uh, the case. Um,
0: if if that's true, that is truly horrific.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. If it's true,
0: (laughs) any respect. I mean, I had some respect for Reagan when I was a kid, I had a lot of respect for Reagan, but I didn't know anything. Um, you know, he did the, the presidential physical fitness program and I got my patch and I was all excited and wow. You know, that was Reagan for me in my mind. That's what he meant to me then. Right. Um, and now to, I mean, to hear that, obviously I've heard of other defaults of, you know, protecting our, our rights and under Reagan, but that the idea of leaving Americans with the Iranians for an extra month so that you can get political points, that is disgusting. If it's true. If it's
1: true, it is probably the single most horrific thing that I've heard Reagan doing as president. I mean, uh, in terms of his impact on the country, no. Uh, his association with the moral majority was. But in terms of just a personally nasty thing to do against innocent Americans, uh, that's, that would be truly horrific. I agree.
0: Um Craig, Craig in the chat room, let's go back to the, the issue of the handshake and everything. Craig says, I have refused to shake hands with a politician. It wasn't a big deal aside from the politician being unpleasantly surprised. I'm pretty sure that the politicians are unpleasantly surprised. They think everybody wants to shake their hand because after all, they're the ones who are in power and, you know, of course, they serve our country, even if you disagree with them. And, and, and you know, here's the thing. I could do a little juxtaposition here. Um, you know, what I'm saying is I want to exercise my freedom of association that we have in the United States, and I just don't want to associate. I, the fact that someone's a president doesn't mean anything to me, per se, if I don't want to associate with him based on what I think of the job that he did while he was in office. Um Very simple. Now, if, you know, someone like the scumbag from this morning disagrees with the job that people are doing in office, I I guess he decides it's okay to go ahead and shoot him up. You know, it would be interesting to go and look at the Twitter feeds of the people who the other day were calling me horrible names and even threatening me because I didn't want to shake Jimmy Carter's hand and see what they're tweeting about this scumbag this morning. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That that would be a research project because we're talking, James. I'm thinking at least two dozen people said horrible, nasty, vicious garbage to me the other day on on Twitter. And the reason that I had so many was only because I got a retweet. From... Awesome. Um, we'll 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 slide into the 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 witness portion of it in a second because. Uh, Ben Shapiro, every so often he retweets me, and I just feel like, wow, I get you know this recognition from somebody who I really respect because he put my little tweet out. I don't tweet a ton, but every so often I tweet something that I think is worthwhile or says something at least valuable. And every so often he happens to be active on Twitter when that happens, and he happens to follow me, which I'm proud of. And he sends it out there. It's like, wow, that's awesome. So oh, he good did, on him. Yeah, no, it was it was nice. And then, you know, all this garbage, all these trolls come come after me. So, yeah, I got all these people. Imagine I maybe I'll have to go do that and just kind of look and see what some of these people have been tweeting about this guy this morning. Because, you know, imagine it's like I I'm supposed to shake this guy's hand. I disagree with him and I all I want, you know, and I told them I would be polite about it. I wouldn't say anything nasty. Maybe I wouldn't, you know, I'd just say, sorry, I didn't like the job you did. Maybe I wouldn't say very much. Some people, they might feel like they want to say more, whatever. There's a range of rational possibilities here. But I feel if I shook his hand and just pretended like he was an okay president, like everybody else, that I would be betraying my values. There's just no way I could do it. And Right. You know, I have to
1: tell you a story. Perhaps Holly, uh, I think, even told you the story. Holly, back in the day when she was a Democrat and left of center, my wife, Holly, for the podcast listeners, uh, Mm -hmm. had an opportunity to meet Ronald Reagan. And she was going to make a principled stand about not shaking his hand. But Mm -hmm. she said when the moment came to it, she was overwhelmed by just simply the presence of it. And she did shake. The president's hand when it was Ronald Reagan. Now, obviously, her political opinions, she probably probably not like it. And I'm talking about her uh, unreformed political opinions back when she was still young. But, uh. uh Your own talks, about, is, his talks <laughs> about his
0: all the time. Your own talks about his all the time. She is in good company. She's good company,
1: right? She was going to take this principled stand, but then when she actually got into Ronald Reagan's presence, she buckled. <laughs> she shook his hand politely. <laughs>
0: Wow. Now, if I end, if I ended up knowing that he had let these people rot over in Iran for a month, and then they asked me to shake his hand, I'd do the same with him. You know, if I believed you just, that there's
1: no way, I'd touch him. Right.
0: Oh, God. Politicians! See, and yeah. I, I, think, I think they're gross, and all I'm advocating is that I would not want to shake their hand. I wouldn't want to give them that sanction, and of course, I will continue to speak out Against them as long as people listen to me Do so this is the thing that I do and what we need Is we need the left in this country To get back to the Idea of civilization that we Deal with each other by means of of Persuasion and and not of force
1: the same sort of person who threatens you for not shaking a president's hand, I bet, would be the same kind of person who would believe that there should be laws against flag burning, maybe laws that someone has to take the Pledge of Allegiance or something, um, on the right or on the left. We're seeing this new hate speech kind of advocacy of censorship. They'd probably be the kind of person who says, yeah, uh, we should have hate speech laws and safe spaces on campus and so forth. Um, they're the kind of person who has no problem using either force themselves or the force of law. I'm willing to, to, to wager to coerce patriotism on the part of Americans, and uh, or, or at least good behavior on the part of Americans in some other way. Uh, and uh, that's very scary. Um, yes. That's, that's yes. the short road to fascism.
0: <laughs> yes, and and last week I was linking this to the fact. I mean, there's two different things going on on campus. One. The thing that Jordan Peterson was eloquently speaking about a few weeks ago the fact that the campuses are this racket for propping up and pushing the ideas of these leftists, you know, sustaining the careers of these horrible leftist intellectuals such that the leftists. Just go that on is challenged. the single
1: most important issue facing us, what's going on on campuses, and the right. unremitting propaganda that college freshmen are subjected to in the social sciences and the humanities. And right. that, what a heroic stance Peterson is taking. The government should defund the social sciences and humanities. Yes. There are nothing but uh, bastions of, 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 you know, hot houses, in, in effect, of political propaganda uh, and creating new uh, uh, a new cadre of, of, of minions of communists and, and fascists.
0: Yes, yes. And then if you come, and, you know, he talked about that 80% of their articles that are published and stuff they aren't even cited by anybody else it's just out there for vanity and stuff it's nothing it props up these careers of these people who are just indoctrinating the the youth of the country so you combine that with something we talked about i believe it was last week the fact that the schools are not teaching critical thinking and so not only are they you know being you know indoctrinated with this or is it being you know presented to them it's they're, they're not being given the tools to even question it as it's being presented to them. And they feel, you know, not only that they have to absorb what the professor is telling them, the leftist professor is telling them, they also feel threatened when they're confronted with people whose ideas they disagree with. They don't feel intellectually capable to engage in persuasion, which is with how rational beings deal with each other. They Uh, It's not surprising that they resort to force Is is what I'm saying Not at all
1: They have force-protected bubbles that they live in They're in a heavily subsidized uh, Monopoly-protected Tenure-protected positions And, you know, if if just a quarter Or a third of the professors In the humanities and the social sciences Believe something other than Hardcore leftism or socialism You know, okay But that's not the case We have 90-plus percent of the professors out there in the humanities and the, the social sciences that are hardcore leftists. It's yep. way out of whack in terms of, you know, being representative of the American uh, population. The American population does not have to subsidize these propaganda machines, which is, in effect, all they are. When, if you sit through a women's studies course, no, 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 no. Uh, just sit through a regular literature course right. that undergraduates have to take. Uh, subjecting Shakespeare, for example, to deconstructionist, post-Marxist, feminist analysis—my God, it's mind warping! It not only doesn't not teach critical skills; it actually inculcates bad mental methods and horrible ideas. Yes, um, and,
0: and that's the thing. I think I think you have to have those two pieces. It's not just that you have to have a substantial minority with the non-leftist ideas. We need some conservatives, some libertarians, some objectivists. We need a, a, you know, a diversity of ideas on campus. So suppose you have that. That's not enough if the students do not have the critical thinking skills required to sift through all the different views well, yeah, that course. they're presented got- with as well, right? You gotta have both. No
1: justification for the government to be involved in education whatsoever. Indeed, mm. it is inherently dangerous for the government to be involved in any way, shape, or form, uh, just as it's uh, necessarily going to ideologically step on toes for the government to run elementary schools and primary schools because they have to make decisions about evolution and school prayer and all kinds of other value assessments. So necessarily even just subsidizing universities and colleges will necessarily be an act of ideological bias on the part of the government, which is always and inherently wrong um i i feel right. very strongly as you can tell on this issue uh but of course there's so what for the i what i see today what i see meantime, let's at least pull the plug on the humanities and social sciences
0: right right they
1: should sink or swim on their own thank you very
0: much let's um let's let's shift because you know i again this is this is my show and often i have these ideas i want to do some indulgent things and and the overarching theme that I had today was witness. Where I want to tie in, you've got Comey as this witness, and then we're gonna. I want to talk about witness, the the concept that Katy Perry is trying to, to put out there, and in her way, which is, I think, well-meaning, but of course, it's in, incomplete. And she comes from a somewhat left-wing perspective, I think, by default, because of all the voices that she's got going around her. Now, w- one thing I want to make clear, if James, if you agree to talk with me about this issue of, of witness being a witness and and Katy perry um it does not mean in any way shape or form that you like Katy perry or her music <laughs> i i don't well, even know whether okay. you do i haven't seen any enthusiasm on your part when i post Katy perry music so everybody be clear if james actually agrees to talk to me about this concept for a little bit it doesn't mean he likes Katy perry he's safe
1: no, I'm perfectly comfortable giving my sanction to Katy Perry. <laughs> you
0: you you think she's cute enough and talented enough and all that kind of stuff too? That's exactly. Or no?
1: yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I, th- I think she's adorable, and I think she's got a decent sense of life. She's got a screwed up family background that she's trying to recover from, and she's got herself surrounded by some horrible people. She just did this YouTube extravaganza where she was promoting her album Witness. Uh, You know, there's a title track by that name that I want to get into a little bit. But in that extravaganza, she was subjecting herself to something like 15 hours per day of being on camera, live, on YouTube. And a number of the things that were going on were she was doing meditation. So at one point, she's meditating, and she's wearing this T-shirt, and the T-shirt says, I know nothing, (laughs) okay? And it's just, oh, I know <laughs> you're just like oh, that hurts. It does. It hurts, right? Because here's this <laughs> woman, and she's she is she is a productive, benevolent woman. I think who is trying to do some good in the world, and, and that's how I see her. Well, coming and from I, a
1: non it advertises that she's a victim, perhaps more than it does that she's a perpetrator.
0: Yeah, um, and that I I see her more definitely as as a victim with this. You know, maybe when you're meditating, you're supposed to clear your mind. But just the wearing of the teeth, the I know nothing teeth, like
1: well, it's an assertion of knowledge, which is always what strikes me. I know nothing. They'll usually say it, pounding the table or something.
0: Um, I don't think there. If there was a picture of her wearing that on the Instagram, you could you could react. She had a photo that was on Instagram this morning. It was it was something that she had sort of reposted from somebody else, and let me let me just go find it because, I'm, after all, I'm being indulgent here. Let's see. Let's see. Let's go to – I'm going to go to Katy Perry's Instagram. Yeah, I follow Katy Perry on Instagram. Guilty as charged. <laughs> I stopped following Milo on Instagram. You want to know why?
1: I would like to know
0: why. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so gross. Um, he put pictures up there of him, first of all, he put a movie, a little short film, of him getting liposuction, and then he had a picture of his butt, because he was having his fat injected to his butt. Now, he took Ooh. that picture down, but I saw it, and I was so disgusted, I unfollowed him. <laughs> if, I, if I if I see Ooh, things you that are disturbing enough, have... I don't care who you are. And, and you Ooh. know, I'm looking forward to his book, and I thought his book was probably going to be valuable, and I was like, what in the world are you doing? But yeah, I still follow Katie. So Katie's got this, um, Naraya Wahid or something. She follows whoever this person is. It says, I do not want to be liked. I want to be myself. Those are two statements. And then it's attributed to fiction. So it's this alternative. You either want to be liked or you want to be yourself. And of course, everybody wants to be liked. Um, she thinks. And so that's the thing, you know, she, Katie thinks that you have to, because she follows this idiot. She thinks that she has to acknowledge wants to be liked and that maybe she's willing not always to be herself in order to be liked or something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's
1: so sad.
0: It's It's really sad. And there's you know, there's fourteen hundred comments on this. Right. Now that's a character out of
1: the head, right? She's buckled under the desire to be liked. (laughs)
0: Oof. Well, and and that's the thing. Who Who is surrounding her? You know, people who are providing her, I guess, with this alternative, because I think she's got some better instincts. Uh, one of the little clips that I saw of her, she was defending the idea that sometimes escapism is purposeful, because she has, you know, she said somewhat recently, I guess, that she wants to start to create purposeful pop, as she calls it. And Sounds what good. She, yeah, and, and what and what what she invited all the critics to do is to judge her entire new album by the standard of whether it meets their criteria for purposeful pop. And a number of the tracks are just fun or escapism or just her tuning her own horn so to speak, you know, saying I'm this good person. I you know, there's this squish-switch and keep calm, I'm, a stick I'm gonna stick around, I'm going to stick around and um, there's the great line about, uh, a tiger doesn't need advice from a shellfish or a sheep, right? Um, she's got some really great lyrics in there. Some, you know, ba- lyrics where she is asserting that she thinks she's a good person. Um, you know, that the people who are her critics and stuff, she's not going anywhere. And, and she's got a lot of, lyrics along those lines in other songs before this album as well right so because this album doesn't have a whole bunch of political statements and you know statements of sacrifice for your fellow man and how miserable life is and everything else it's not purposeful enough for these critics and they've all not all of them but a ton of them have panned it and uh, I, I don't see it that way at all. I, I mean, she's got a number of things where, you know, she's just saying enjoy your life, uh, right. songs that are just about love and, and romance and, and uh, in, enjoying life and, and, you know, Remember ha- the story having of uh,
1: short story, Good Copy? Um, she sent it uh, to be read by a bunch of uh, her students anonymously without her name attached, and she asked... You know her students what do you think of the short story and one of the reactions was oh it's so trite and banal and there's no serious issues and look at it, it's just you know good copies a, is a just a benevolent light-hearted uh, sort of o henry type short story that ayn rand herself had written and uh ayn rand interrupts the person and says no it's, it's about only one important issue the most important issue of all whether happiness you know on earth is even possible Wow. And uh, so uh, it seems to me that the, just the, an expression of a benevolent sense of life, and it seems to me a perfectly valid place to look for clues as to the American sense of life. Pop music, and, and yes. to the extent that Katy Perry still advocates or is exemplifies, in fact, uh, benevolent American sense of life, you know, a, a you know, a, a, a sort of a, a in-your-face sort of uh, you know uh, exuberance, uh, then good for her.
0: And and that is what she does. And then, of course, she does have that song chained to the rhythm, which is, you know, not going to be necessarily the most sophisticated commentary on the fact that we live in social media bubbles. But it was a good one. And the video was quite disturbing in, in some ways as well and just really well produced.
1: Yeah, very effective. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, she is making some statements. I think she is making the statements that are, you know, consistent with the issues that she is concerned within her own life, which she's totally entitled to do. Sometimes I get self-indulgent on my show, um, and then you know she's making statements that are at the level of of her capacity to do that. Um, you know, she has this this song called "Witness" in there, and you know she says basically she's you know she's looking for a witness. And I was going to ask you because you have done some work on Christianity, of course, she's taking this concept of witness from Christianity, the idea that Christians are supposed to be witnesses for Jesus. And she's bringing it into a secular and even romantic context, right? You know, she, she's basically looking for a partner, someone who, who she calls the witness who's going to to be with her. And I'll, I'll take a look at the lyrics, but my question for you would be, Are are you aware of anybody trying to kind of transport this, Concept or and how do you understand that concept of witness that she's trying to? Some people might say hijack.
1: I'm not, um, i not being as familiar as I should be with how she uses it. I'm not sure. I I, okay. So
0: let me let me go to let me go to the lyrics then. Let me go to the lyrics. There's no
1: doubt it's a concept that goes way back in Christianity. The concept of evangel is news. Here's the new word. Here's the news. Here's the good word, as they say.
0: So it it, it, it would basically be me. Uh, it would mean um, digesting for yourself the what God says, the Word of God, what it means, and now, then concept. explaining it to other people.
1: Right. Um, the, the concept of word, of course, is a very uh, uh, you know profound symbolic meaning um, uh, in Greek philosophy and in Christianity. And, um, and in, in the history of Jewish thought as well, and uh, so depends what you mean. And of course, there's the you know, whole idea about the Gospels: are they eyewitness testimony? But in effect, they're you know testified brother. You know, if you have a revelation, <laughs> the tradition within Christianity is to share that, and uh, oftentimes that's the sense in which the term is used. I'm sorry. Uh, how does she use in the lyric?
0: So. Um, I'll just I'll just read you the lyrics. So uh, in the first verse, she says, if I lost it all today, would you stay? Could my love be enough to stimulate? If shit hit the fan grenades got thrown? Would you still show? Could you go down with me to the mat? Could we get back up and eventually laugh? Roll eyes at the highs, cheers in the lows and stay in the flow. And then the pre chorus says, because I only got this life and I ain't got the time not to get it right. And then she says, we're all just looking for connection. We all want to be seen. I'm looking for someone who speaks my language, someone to ride this ride with me. Can I get a witness? Will you be my witness? I'm just looking for a witness in all of this, looking for a witness to get me through this. Uh, Second verse, it's a a beautiful song. She says, "Uh, when you tell me everything and there's no holes, you can scroll through anything. You've got the codes, nothing to hide. It's all in the eyes, and we just know. Again,' because I only got this life, you know, et cetera, looking for connection um and yeah, and those those are those are really the verses, so she's oh. taking this concept of witness and bringing it to you know essentially looking for a life partner, and she's got some substance to this concept of the life partner you know of what what she thinks she's looking for um, well, and people 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 are just dismissing this, people are just dismissing this
1: she's even. It psychological well, disability right right and, and that's right. not the kind of uh desi- wanting to be pl- you know liked or pleased that i object to at all that's a healthy normal need uh for other human beings uh it, it, when she if, if to the extent she says i you know uh surrender my true self right I'm, um, you know not true to myself when I act in order to be liked by others, that's disturbing. But the lyric that you just read is not that at all. What it's saying is, most people don't meet my standards. I'm looking for someone who does speak my language. I'm looking for someone who would be my witness. That is to say, see me for who I am. Um, And I think we all have a need, profound need, for psychological visibility to be seen for who we are. And in fact, the lyric is expressing a good, healthy, selfish uh, skepticism about the the lack of the visibility she's gotten so far
0: well, maybe, but I think she also is taking some blame for it, as if you know she's some freak, and therefore, if she's asking for a witness it's like she's asking for something extraordinary, like somebody to accept her because you know one of the the thing that I had actually posted uh about her it was something from Ben Shapiro and at uh, the daily wire. And I didn't actually watch this particular, you know, the, the thing that I watched on for quite a while on, on her little extravaganza was a so-called therapy session with some doctor who knows whatever guy. And one of the things the doctor was trying to tell her is that there's no absolute right and wrong about murder because, because killing and self-defense, you know, after all, we don't punish for that. And so therefore, you know, we can conclude, right. Um, And and (laughs) she doesn't have, she doesn't (laughs) have the philosophical equipment to argue against this guy. And, and this guy of course was mixing totally wrong assertions like that with some good things about visibility or, you know, the ways that she had to cope with her religious upbringing or things like that. And so, you know, she got very emotional when she was talking to this guy. I mean, you know, Kudos to her if she thinks she can, you know, expose herself to that degree in, in front of these people. But um, you know, she's very emotional and she's vulnerable. And then this guy's telling her this bullshit, excuse my French, um, oh. philosophically. And and so anyway, this other headline, I didn't watch this session. She talked to that DeRay guy, you know, the Black Lives Matter guy.
1: Right.
0: She she actually sat down and spoke with him. And confessed her sins of white privilege to him. Okay. So my concern is, is that, whereas, yeah, if you take those lyrics on their face and maybe, you know, before she went through all this, maybe she did have that higher opinion of herself. I mean, she's got that wonderful song rise, you know, and all kinds of, you know, firework and and wonderful things where she would be asserting self-esteem and joy. And, you know, when she's going around confessing her sins of white privilege to these leftist people or talking about, you know, there's a duty to help out others at the Boys and Girls Club at this one and the other stuff, too. I'm concerned that this is going to have an effect on her and her ability to stand up for herself and say, you know, if she's asking for a witness, she's not asking for something extraordinary because she herself is a Productive, talented woman who provides a lot of value and joy to the world. Um,
1: right. <laughs> that's really that's messed up. She, she so, should.
0: but no, but so, but but the lyrics, you agree? These are these are powerful. They're talking about this issue of, of psychological visibility. Um, I've even got a, a couple pages marked off, you know, from Opar, of you know Leonard Peikoff talking about the value of you know, being being associated with others in society, either as friends or uh, in romantic relationships, et, et cetera. And, um, you know, one powerful sentence, you know, social existence, he says, and this is 236, page 236 of Opari, social existence is an asset to man in the struggle for survival. And, you know, he, he goes on to, to talk about identifying the type of people who are going to, you know to be an asset to you and and what that consists of you know what type of people could be a value to you in terms of, of friends and and romantic partners but you know this idea that we're egoists and so therefore we you know can't feel like we all want connection as Katy Perry sings here in the song is is just wrong we do want connection we want connection with the right kind of people though and You know, I'm like you, James. If I look at these lyrics, I want to project onto Katie a healthy self-esteem and and someone who's going to be strong in the face of assertions that she's an example of white privilege, but apparently she's not. Um, That that doesn't mean that people like us don't want connection like other human beings, that connection for us is not an asset like with everybody else.
1: We want to find it in the lyrics of Katy Perry songs. And that's why we do it, and that's why we, we, we project what we do and give her the benefit of the doubt and to the extent that we can. But, you know, shy of someone else being an objectivist, of course, it's a question of mining for the value um, that a person has to offer to us, whether it's Jordan Peterson or Katy Perry. Um, uh, we have to be uh, discriminating, obviously, and, and, you know, keep our eyes alert because it's a, a, maybe a selective or partial value. But uh there's nothing wrong with that i think we should we should actively pursue we should act we should be active miners of those values even if we have to get through some hard rock to get to the value uh now to the- if, if all we're doing is finding a single rose petal on a huge pile of manure yes uh, obviously <laughs> we should be wasting our time
0: but no to the, exactly
1: to the extent there's a go- a real gold nugget there to mine for it's worth blasting away some granite
0: no exactly and and this is the thing right you know. We look out there, and, and a lot of times we're ready to say, okay, objectivists versus non-objectivists, but there, you know, people who supposedly are fellow travelers or have our same ideology and stuff, aren't necessarily going to be that value to us. Um, and there are people who supposedly adhere to the same ideas that I do, but they don't walk the walk in in the real world. Right.
1: Um, right. They, right, 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 right. Yeah. They may be confused about certain issues. They may be. There's no guarantee. A self identification of objectivism is certainly no guarantee that they're of any value. Besides, Not even someone all. who's a sincere objectivist may have a personal context, right? So all those issues
0: Sometimes whatever's going on might be through no fault of their own. Sometimes it is choices that those people made, and they profess one philosophy, and they make other decisions, and they do things in their lives such that I don't care what ideas you profess, I'm not going to associate with you. You know, I'm done. The, one of the things. So so let's talk about this idea of, of witnessing, right? So if you take that concept of witness from the, you know the Christian context of just sort of spreading the word and you're trying to make, I mean, obviously she's she's talking about someone who makes her feel visible in a human relationship. What does that witnessing then look like? I mean, how would you interpret that?
1: Whoa, that is a heavy question. You see what I mean? And and this this might be
0: something that we need to have a longer discussion thread, you know, on over at the blog or who knows what, but I'm, you know, she's, she's making this attempt to port this religious concept of witnessing into the context of human relationships. And I was interpreting it as, as something like reflecting back to this person that you share values with, right. the See, things the, that you value about them,
1: there's or there's just interacting radically...
0: with that person in a way that's going to bring their nature out. And what a tremendous value that is.
1: There's, there, is, Forgive me, but there's nothing in Christianity about having a really fulfilling uh, personal (laughs) relationship with someone what the concept (laughs) in Christianity about witnesses it's the duty of Christians to spread the gospel Jesus specifically commanded his followers to spread the gospel to all the nations of the world and therefore when a Christian you know the Christian missionaries that go door-to-door or go to you know the most remote remote places in the world to spread Christianity are are actually uh, you know um, uh, embodying a command, uh, fulfilling a command uh, that Jesus himself repeatedly makes in the New Testament to convert others and to spread the word. So Christians have a positive duty to uh, make others, insofar as they can, Christians, or to at least share the word of Christianity with everyone, insofar as they can. Um, right. You know it's interesting because Islam has uh, the idea the very same idea and they're very point-blank do so by the sword if necessary and for a long time Christians had no problem doing so by the sword because although it's not explicitly kill the infidel it there is a positive duty to convert others to Christianity right. uh, that Jesus expresses in in the new testament so,
0: so, so let me go back actually there was one part of the lyric that I skipped over there was a bridge that I um, that I didn't read you Uh, She says, will you be my witness? Could you be the one that speaks for me? Right? Now, you know, someone who does actually express the nature of someone else who's able to do that is somebody who really knows that other person well. Um, You don't necessarily have to speak it and try to convert others and things. But maybe she's looking for somebody who is, devoted to her, not in a truly religious sense of, you know, faith and all that kind of thing. But, you know, sh- sh- <laughs> she's, looking, showing, she's
1: looking for devotees.
0: Yeah, well, no, no, she's obviously looking for the, you know, the the one person, right? The for the person to ride the ride with her. Sorry, I just knocked over like... The so high things.
1: priest of Katy Perry, yes. Okay. No, well, that's no, cool. no,
0: no, it no, no, no. Be- that's not what I mean, James. Well, so, well
1: no. Actually there's a benevolent way of even looking at that. No, I, I see see that because I do that naturally. I mean when someone asks me about Amy Peacock, I'm a natural advocate. You know what I'm saying? Well, if something thank is you. a value to me, I'm a witness on behalf of that value. But and I, I, I mean, think it's a natural I mean more, human of, thing. I mean
0: more of, of the sort of thing that you feel for your wife, for example. You know, the the, the, the type of the devotion, the type of you being able to reflect back to her or be able to express to anybody else what her nature is, is what is she's about it,
1: okay i admit you i admit you that uh, romantic love is so total and it's you know encompassment of, the, of your soul uh that uh yeah that's you, a good analogy is religion almost uh, because right. it is uh, this this total you know uh being that you're bringing to the table yeah, I'm an advocate for, of my wife in a sense that's uh, a, perhaps a, a religious metaphor is appropriate.
0: And and this is what she's she's bringing in here. So you know, first of all, good on her for coming from her religious background and feeling like she can bring this concept into the secular romance context. Because you know, yeah. right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your word for it that Christianity doesn't tell you that this is a wonderful thing to have these fulfilling relationships with a, a fellow human being so wonderful I, for that I
1: advocate but then, for the human values I have it's not a duty like the Christian duty to spread the word it's I just that's I want to because it's a value I, I, I need to protect it and foster it and cherish it and further it um, and It's it's a selfish desire on my part
0: to well, further my and- own and if, if there's someone you love, you get tremendous joy in having the type of interaction that does either bring out the nature of the person or reflect back the nature. So it, it's it's in and of itself, it's a joyful activity. So um, so there's there's that as well. But, you know, so kudos to her for that. And then this is purposeful pop, right? Here she is taking this concept of witnessing and she's, it's not heavy it's in a way the song comes across as a bit light but there's you know some important things and she, she seems to really be searching for the you know the, the meaningful connection with people earnestly doing that and unfortunately as far as I could tell surrounding herself with some of, some of the wrong kinds um, so, th- so that's sort of my thing does it seem like I'm on the track at least of interpreting this
1: I think we are on the exact same track on this
0: Okay. And then I was, you know, I, I jotted down some thoughts like I sometimes do when I'm putting these together. I had decided a couple of days ago, I want to do witness. Um, so religious to secular context. And obviously if, you know, you could be a witness for somebody else in a way that isn't the ultimate, all fulfilling romantic relationship. We want, we want what you have James with your wife. Right. Um, but
1: I am officially the luckiest man on earth.
0: <laughs> there you go. And I love it. Um so yeah, that we do, but obviously we we, we can quote witness for other people in different contexts. And so the other day when I had this rally in my brain and I've got these scumbags attacking me on Twitter, I kind of facetiously posted in my little thread about all these people threatening me and stuff, uh the link to Katy Perry's song Witness, like come on people, support me, like go out there on Twitter and retweet, right? There were a number of people who would just go out on Twitter and just kind of click like or whatever. I'm like, help defend me a little because I think I did something that wasn't wrong, that was actually right. Um, I wasn't out there going, yeah, I want to go stick my neck out today. I just said something that I thought was right. Um, But I I felt, like I said, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro immediately retweeted me, but that's what created the whole shitstorm, as I'll call it. Uh, I felt honored also that Yaron later, Yaron Brooke went on retweeted and stuff too, so gave me some support in that regard. And and then a bunch of other people when I asked I was like, please come out there. Um I didn't say it exactly that way, but that's what I was doing. Um and, you know, in that situation Maybe you don't like me for, you know, I I got the nose ring and I'm kind of weird or whatever, but sometimes I go out there and I say this one good strong thing. And if you want to support me, I think that's an awesome thing, right? Um, Katy Perry, right? We don't agree with her on a lot of stuff, but, you know, I was out there, I was posting the other day, I posted this link to the Shapiro thing and my little headline i put myself out there right i say i like some of her music a lot and i said sadness it's it's sad to me that she confessed her white privilege sins to DeRay. and someone immediately comes in and says this i'm not going to say who it is uh says her desperation to sell her crappy cd is pathetic new lows i'm like okay um a, first of all, I like some of her songs. I think it came out that that person actually did also like some of the music before, too, but just took, you know, undigested the word that this album was bombing. And, you know, uh, the, you know, like I said, the critics panned it because it's not, quote, purposeful enough for them. It's not purposeful enough to enjoy your life or seek a fulfilling relationship by porting this concept of witnessing into the secular uh, It's not purposeful for us, Um how dare you have fun and express joy, <laughs> Katy Perry. Uh, but why, why rain on the parade? And then somebody else in the same thread said, um, what about her Obama dress and leftist mentality made you think that there was something good about her? Okay, I will concede that Firework is a great song, but Katy Perry shows all the signs of Madonna future, right?
1: Um,
0: she's young. She has free will. She's showing some strong signs of thinking that her life and pleasure and all of those things are good. And um, yeah, human beings have free will. So why not hold out for the positive outcome? Why? Anyway. So what I wanted to urge people, I've got like, I've got 90 seconds left. They're telling me in my ear. I wanted to urge people, to seek the positive, not to evade the negative. I'm always, like I said, I just unfollowed Milo. I'm still going to read his book. I'm still going to probably talk positively about his book, but I'm not going to follow him on Instagram. Um, You know, look for the positive in people and, you know, don't assume that the person who quote calls himself an objectivist is for that reason, good. And don't assume that because Katy Perry has allowed herself to be co-opted by leftists, she's therefore bad. Amen. Witness, witness a bit right yeah amen exactly sister. <laughs> um so uh, james we do have to go thank you tell people where to find you and your book
1: um amazon.com uh creating christ uh or uh Barnes Noble.com.
0: okay thank you so much and we will do this i got to get finished with the atlas project but we will do it i promise thank you James. no problem okay, okay. we'll talk again now i gotta get my cursor over so i actually hang up on you Okay, i got two monitors going here at the same time. Thanks so much, James. Uh, Everybody else, go to DontLetItGo.com. We can continue the conversation. Let me know what you think of witnessing, et cetera. And I will speak to you next week. Uh, It's every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Take care.